We continue our series this morning called Habits of Grace. We launched a new sermon series last week and we looked at the habit of studying the Word of God. For the next few weeks, we are going to be looking at what are those habits or maybe what even some of the church have called the disciplines of grace that come into effect for the person that has been transformed or touched by God's grace. When a person comes and encounters the grace of God, what are the habits or disciplines that are formed in the life of that person? And like I said last week, we looked at the habit or the discipline of studying and listening to the Word of God. As always, want to point your attention during this series, we will put in recommended resources on the topic that we are studying that week. And so you'll find in your bulletin this morning under the pastor's welcome, recommended resources on the habit that we're studying this morning, which is evangelism. And to do that, we'll be looking at John chapter 4, starting in the 27th verse. And it's in John chapter 4 that I want us to look at the story, a story that's familiar to many of you. It's the story of the Samaritan woman, the story of the woman at the well. And through looking at her story, I want us to look at and think about the habit of evangelism. If you're new to the church, you might be wondering, what is this thing called evangelism? Evangelism is simply the, the act or the practice of declaring or sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. To be an evangelical means that you are a purveyor and a possessor of the good news, of the gospel. And those that have been touched by the gospel of grace are now called to go out and practice that good news through evangelism. A few months ago when we studied John chapter 4 and the story of the Samaritan woman, we looked at the first part of this chapter. We looked at what happened to this woman, that this woman comes and she meets Jesus at the well in Samaria at noon, and it changes her. She comes looking for water from the well, and Jesus says to her, I can't give you water from this well, but I can give you water, the living water, so that you'll never be thirsty again. And it transforms her life in an act of grace. But what I want us to look at this morning is not so much what happened to her, but what was her response? What was the response of a woman who never encountered grace, but encounters it from God himself in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ? How does this woman respond? And so to do that, let's look at John chapter 4, verses 27 through 30, and then we'll skip down to verse 39 through 42. Hear the word of God. Just then the disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this indeed 
is the savior of the world. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. Have you ever heard of a guy by the name of Donald Trump? How about Hillary Clinton? How about Martin Luther King Jr.? Have you ever heard of Oprah or Bill Gates or Albert Einstein? Have you ever heard about the invention of electricity or the birth of the internet? Have you ever heard of an event called Pearl Harbor? How do we know them? How do we know them so well? Because everything I mentioned, whether it's a name or a place or an event in time, we have been flooded through media and through television and history books, flooded with these names and significant events and significant places in time and in history. And so we know them all too well. But how about the name Jesus? You ever heard of him? What kind of airtime does he get? What kind of airtime does Jesus get, whether it be in TV or the media or in our books or on social media? More than likely, you won't see a lot or hear a lot about Jesus on social media, on the internet or on Facebook or on Twitter or Instagram. Won't, won't see a lot of him on popular television or popular media outlets. The way in which the world hears about Jesus, unlike any figure in history, is how? It's through us. It's through you. And it's through me. You see, if the world is going to hear about Jesus, if the world is going to know about Jesus, it is not through the popular media outlets, but God has specifically called you and me, those that have been transformed and touched by the grace of God, to practice the grace of God, to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to share Jesus with who we know wherever we go. I've said it before and I'll say it again, but the day that a church, the day that a church loses its heart for the gospel, the day a church loses its heart to share that gospel with others is the day that church begins to die. And so on this Mother's Day, I want us to look at, in my opinion, one of the greatest evangelists, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. It's in verse 29 that we read together that it says that this woman in verse 29 gave testimony. Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. So I want us to answer three questions briefly this morning. What did she testify to? How did she testify to it? And why did she do it? The first thing, what exactly does this woman give testimony to? What does the Samaritan woman give testimony to? And what can we learn from her about evangelism? Well, the first thing that she testifies to in verse 29 is she testifies what happened to her. She says, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Now you might wonder, what is so significant about that testimony? Well, if you are familiar with this passage, John chapter 4, John chapter 4 captures a significant moment in Jesus' ministry. Jesus is walking, and he has to walk to Jerusalem through Samaria. Well, Samaritans didn't talk to Jews. And so Jesus approaches the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, 
and he talks to her and he engages her and he tells her everything that she ever did. Remember the discourse between Jesus and the woman at the well. Jesus says to her, go and bring your husband to me. And she says, what? Actually, the man that I'm living with is not my husband. And, and Jesus says, no, you're right. You've had five husbands and the man that you're living with now is not your husband. And this woman is blown away. And so the, what this woman is testifying to is she's testifying to what happened to her, that she encounters grace. Remember, this is a shame and honor culture. Men do not talk to women in this culture. It's a patriarchal culture and society where a man would not be seen talking to a woman and a Jew would not be seen talking to a Gentile. And certainly a member from the religious establishment would not be talked to, be talking to a woman who that culture and society had deemed immoral or ungodly. And so what Jesus does in a moment of grace is he reaches through every barrier, a cultural barrier and the gender barrier, and he reaches through the moral barrier and he reaches this woman and he talks to her and he says, I will give you living water. You see, what she testifies to is that this man, he met me where I was at and he talked to me and he extended me grace. He knew everything about me and he loved me just the same. You see, in this shame and honor culture that this woman existed and she had never experienced such love and such grace. And she goes and she wants to tell the world about it, that Jesus, he talked to me and he knew everything about me and he didn't even blink. And so she testifies in a real way of what happened to her and how it transformed her. But not only does she testify to what happened to her personally, that he met me where I was at and he talked to me and he knew everything about me and he still offered me living water, but she also testifies that he's the savior of the world. Look at the very last, one of the last verses that we read together. Verse 42, what do the disciples say to her? It's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. What this verse is implying is that this woman had also told to the disciples that he's not only my Savior, but he can be your savior as well. What the disciples are implying is this, that at first we didn't believe that he was the savior of the world, but now that we've heard for ourselves, we've seen the truth incarnate, we now believe for ourselves, not on the basis of your testimony, but because we've heard and seen for ourselves that he truly is the savior of the world. So what she testifies to and gives testimony to is a real subjective experience based on a real objective truth. Don't miss that. The subjective experience, this is what happened to me. This is how the gospel of grace transformed my life. But objectively, it can be your, he can be your savior as well. Not just my savior, but our savior. Not just what I experienced, but Jesus truly is the answer and the hope of the world. So she testifies to her real life experience, but she also testifies to what can happen to all of the disciples and ultimately the entire world. Secondly, how does she testify? How does she deliver this testimony? Notice that she doesn't get up and, and necessarily preach a sermon and there's no PowerPoint. 
Do you believe it? How in the world did she get the gospel across with no PowerPoint? It's a, it's a miracle of God. She just uses her words. She simply shares her real life experience. She doesn't go to a professional. She doesn't go to another pastor. She doesn't go to the other disciples or the apostles and say, hey, this is what happened to me. Can you go now deliver this message to the rest of the world? She says, I'm going to do it myself. She simply puts her experience into her own words. What does she do? She simply shares Jesus. Once again, verse 29, she says, Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. What the woman sets the example for us here, the way in which she testifies is an incredible example of what the life looks like that is called to evangelism and called to share the gospel. She doesn't use eloquent words. She doesn't go to seminary for four years. She doesn't pass the message off to the apostles or the professionals. She does it herself. You see, the beauty of Christianity is that when people ask, what do you believe or what is the gospel? We don't have to, we don't have to say, well, just go follow the path or follow these 24 steps of self-improvement. When people ask us what we believe or what is the gospel, the beauty of Christianity is that we can point them simply to Jesus. See, the beauty of Christianity and the beauty of the gospel is this. Come and see a man. Come and see this man who told me all that I ever did. Point them to Jesus. You see, for us, we can make sharing the gospel so complicated, but Jesus has actually made it so simple. He says, look to me, point to me, point to what I have done and my good work. And if you think about all of the verses on salvation and eternal life, he's absolutely right. Believe in who? Believe in his name and you will be called a child of God. Believe in the who? The Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. We could go on and on and on. The beauty of the gospel and the beauty of Christianity is come and see. Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. She simply shares Jesus. She wasn't a professional speaker. She wasn't a pastor. She wasn't an apostle. She wasn't a theologian. She wasn't well-read or well-educated. She was just a person that was transformed by the grace of God. And she simply shares Jesus with others. It's the story of how God used this church. It's the story of how God grew this church. Very similar to the story of the Samaritan woman. For those that have been at Coral Ridge for a while, you know the story. The story of Dr. Kennedy starting a congregation with 40 people and quickly it dwindling to 17. Dr. Kennedy talks about in his book, Evangelism Explosion, of how he used to preach his heart out every Sunday sharing the gospel to no avail. No one was responding. Nobody was answering the call. Dr. Kennedy joked that he said in two months I'll be left preaching to just my wife and she's threatening to move down the street to the Baptist church. But then he caught this vision. What if every congregant could be trained to share? 
What if it wasn't just the job of the pastor or the preacher or the staff to share the gospel? What if every single person in the congregation could be trained to share and then took it a step further? And what if everyone trained to share could be trained others to share as well? An evangelism explosion was born. In 10 years, God took this church from 17 to 2,000. Materials translated into other languages. People trained locally and globally. And then finally in 1996, evangelism training through this church enters every nation of the world. The habit and practice of sharing the gospel is not the job of the preacher. It's not the job of the professionals. It's not the job of the staff. It is the job of every single person that has been transformed by the grace of God. Simply share Jesus. Lastly, why did she do it? Why did she testify to Jesus? You have to remember this woman had a lot to lose. She was already a cultural and social outcast. But it tells us in verse 28 that she leaves the water jar and she runs away. She leaves the water jar and runs And she did it knowing this. More than likely, I run the risk of nobody listening to me. Who's going to believe me? I'm the social, cultural, moral, religious outcast. She ran the risk of actually being ostracized even further. And she does it anyway. Why? Why would she run the risk and run away and testify about Jesus to others? Well, you need to remember the conversation. Remember, in John 4, she goes to the the well, and that's where she meets Jesus. And Jesus offers her the living water. Living water so that she'll never be thirsty again. And remember, I said that she was shocked. A man would talk to me. A Jewish man would talk to me. A religious Jewish man would talk to me. And then he goes to dives into her past. And he knows everything about her. You've had five husbands, and the guy you're with now is not even your husband. And then it suddenly hits her. He offers me living water, and he knew all about my past. He offers me living water. He extends grace to me, and he knew, already knew everything about me. He knew about my scandalous past and my loss, and he knew that I was a Samaritan, and he knew I was already outcast from society, a social outcast and a cultural outcast, and he extends to me grace, and he offers me living water anyway. And it wasn't a barrier. Why does she do what she does? The same thing you would do if you knew this. I could be fully known, but fully loved. It sounds like heaven, doesn't it? You see, our world offers us ultimately two paradigms. Partially known and loved, or fully known and rejected. If they knew me, if they knew the real me, all of my thoughts and everything in my heart, they would never accept me. That's the world. But the gospel comes in through Jesus Christ and says, no, only in the gospel can you be fully known. All of your past, all of your failures, all of your scandals, everything that you have done, all of your thoughts, everything in your heart. And God says, I will love you just the same. 
Wouldn't it make you run? Wouldn't it make you drop the water jar and run and tell others only the gospel to be fully known by God? All of your sin, all of your shame, all of your guilt, but to be loved perfectly. Sounds like heaven. It's the good news. And it caused her to run away and tell everyone about this Savior. In the late 1980s in Wembley Stadium in London, there was a rock concert. And the rock concert was to commemorate the amazing things that were ha- happening in Nelson Mandela's South Africa. And this rock concert had headliners like Guns N' Roses. And so after hours and hours of this rock concert, the last act is yet to appear on the stage. 70,000 people packed into Wembley Stadium hearing Guns N' Roses and Motley Crue. And then all of a sudden, the lights go down and the crowd hushes and the last act appears on stage. And it's the famous opera singer, Jesse Norman. And the place goes wild. But not wild with applause. They begin to boo. They say, bring back Guns N' Roses. We want more rock. Who's this? And over the boos and over the heckling, Jesse Norman, this opera singer with no background music, begins to sing a cappella, Amazing Grace. The crowd is restless and it begins to look ugly, but she still sings anyway. And with her lone voice, she sings Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. After the first verse, 70,000 people that were once heckling and booing fall silent. They fall silent. And by the time she gets into the second verse, a third of the crowd reaches back into their memory and they begin to sing the second verse with her. Several thousands of people singing Amazing Grace along with Jesse Norman. But by the time she got to the third verse, all 70,000 people singing in unison Amazing Grace together. What happened that night? Jesse Norman was asked, and she later confessed that she had no idea what power descended upon Wembley Stadium that night. But I think I know. The world is thirsty. The world is thirsty for grace. And when grace descends, the world falls silent before it. Love your neighbor. Serve your neighbor. Invite your neighbor. But tell your neighbor about the story of God's amazing grace. It's the only song you know by heart. Do you love to tell the story? The story of how God rescued you through Jesus. The world needs to hear your story of how you were once lost but now found. The world needs to hear your story of how you were once blind but now you see. Do you love to tell the story? But the better question in closing this morning is, is this your story? Is this your story of God's amazing grace and love You might say, I'd love for this to be my story, but it just seems too good to be true. 
to be fully loved and to be fully known and, and fully accepted. It just seems too good to be true. Well, the good news for you this morning is what seems too good to be true can be true for you today. And just as the Samaritan woman did 2,000 years ago, you can simply receive Jesus. The one by way of his life and his death and his sacrifice and resurrection on the cross and from the dead can be yours. He says, come, receive me as I received you. On the basis of my life and death and sacrifice and resurrection, you too today can be a child of God. The good news is that this can be your story to drink from the well of living water that Jesus freely gives you and offers you today. Allow your story, the story of your life, to be transformed by God's amazing grace so that you too can run and tell the world, come, come, come. See a man who knew me to the bottom but loved me to the skies.